0: U.S. Navy History, arriving. Welcome back to the U.S. Navy History Podcast. I am Dale, and over there is Stephen, the XO. Hi, Stephen. Hey there, everyone. How's it going this week? So today, we are touching on the United States Exploring Expedition. This
1: happened between 1838 to 1842. I thought these were supposed to be five-year missions... Going to parts unknown, seeking out new life and new civilizations. Why'd they call it short after a year?
0: Because they ran out of gas.
1: This is the error of sale. I'm not going to accept that one. Well, sorry, Kirk. So are you ready to get underway? Let's cast off. So this
0: was a survey expedition of the Pacific Ocean and surrounding lands, which was conducted by the United States the original appointed commanding officer was Commodore Thomas Ap. Cosby Jones, and the voyage was authorized by Congress in 1836. Sometimes they will call this the U.S. XX for short, or the Wilkes Expedition. In honor of the CEO appointed after Jones, uh, Lieutenant Charles Wilkes. Now, the reason of this expedition was the importance of growth of science in the U.S.,
1: in particular, the field of oceanography. So this wasn't the United States trying to preemptively get more information on the you know, Pacific layout because they were intending on westward expansion because California became a state in, what, 44? 49 something like that because I know the United States was eyeing up you know all the way to the Pacific from as soon as westward expansion started kicking off this was on paper launched because hey we actually want to explore and expand our knowledge so California officially became a state in
0: 1850
1: hmm okay
0: but yes this is about science so, Congress gave President John Quincy Adams a little prod in 1828 because they wanted to send a expedition around the world. They understood that this would be a great benefit to the country by promoting commerce and to offer protection to the whaling and seal hunting
1: industries. Mm. Mostly in the Pacific Ocean. So, at this time, those international voyages weren't just military flexes. Like, it actually had commercial value as well just to show how wide-reaching and uh, strong the nation was as a trade partner. Right. Congress was like,
0: we're going to use public ships for this. But at the time, the only ships owned by the government capable of circumnavigating the world were Navy ships. Hmm. Okay. So
1: Congress decided that it be a naval expedition. Rather than, you know, government-owned, but civilian in the equivalence of technology and uh, whatever gear they'd be using. No, government-owned, government people. Just it wasn't supposed to be
0: military at mm, first. Okay. So, the Slip of War, your favorite one, the Peacock, Yes! was decommissioned and but, broke in 1827. Why, why
1: would you build me up just to tear me down like this?
0: It was then rebuilt in 1828 and was intended as a exploration Aha, ship. she lives! And rechristened her the USS Peacock once again. Huzzah! So, the funny thing is that funding was not authorized until 1836
1: (laughs) for the peacock to be recommissioned for this whole project so were they just handing out ious like at some point congress is going to authorize this don't worry you'll get paid pretty much pretty much goodness
0: so even when this financial burden was lifted there was another two years of alteration and formation and command before six ships moved down from Norfolk to Hampton Roads. And then they were joined by the tender seagull and flying fish. And then Lieutenant Wilkes was given the final orders on August 18th at 1500. At that point,
1: he weighed anchor and got underway. So Congress had been wanting to do this since 1826, you said? 1828. So it took them a decade to go from, hey, we would really like to do this, to casting off. Yep. Not because they needed to build a fleet to do this. I mean, one ship got recommissioned. But they just couldn't find the money? Well,
0: there was the money issues, command issues... Formation issues. There was just a lot of issues that they had to to hurl. I mean, it took eight years just to get the funding. And once they got the funding, everything sped up. And two years later, they were ready to set sail.
1: I don't know what to say to that. (laughs) It just, it feels like if you want to do something, you should budget for it. Dude... It's 2022. And nothing's oh, changed. Oh, I am aware. I was I was I was biting my tongue about the harumph runaway government spending harumph joke. You're not better than it. Oh, you know me so well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so August eighteenth, they weigh anchor, get underway, and it takes them until zero nine hundred the next day to finally clear the harbor. Due to Very light breezes. (laughs) Ah,
1: age of sail problems. And then two hours later, they are finally in the open sea. Well, it took ten years. Let's get this journey
0: underway. So Commodore Jones, he was the first one to be given the command of this squadron. But it seems it took too long for him, so he resigned. That's why Wilkes has it now. Another reason why Jones and actually a number of other officers were offered this, decided not to do it is because three duties were laid down to officers who were only trained to fight ships. In addition to exploration, they were tasked with duties to survey newly found areas and to survey areas that have already been discovered but are not Very
1: known. So, just to draw on the Star Trek reference again, the Congress didn't think to uh, say, hey, we should have a couple science officers on these vessels, you know, even if they may not be naval personnel, some educated folks who have an expertise and knowledge in oceanography and what other studies they're hoping to do and perform. Well, it's funny
0: that you mentioned that because, yes, scientists were hired and brought along because, yes, no officers are really trained in surveying and they don't have the experience and background of surveying. And, of course, that also means that they have no background in working with scientists. And as we all know, scientists are a little weird. Oh, damn it, Captain. I'm a doctor, not an So these scientists were taken out of the United States Coast Survey. This is a civilian organization that, obviously, their main trade is surveying coasts. Wilkes went through and said, okay, all these guys have volunteered for it because there was a ton of people who volunteered to go out and do this. So he was like, "Mm, I can't fit all of y'all on my boats. We're going to take nine of you. And he also insisted that he and some of his other naval officers perform some of the scientific duties. Why? To to broaden their knowledge
1: and experience. That's that's fair, as long as he's deferring to the experts to take the lead on this and not just... okay. Explain what tool I need to use. Okay. Now get out of the room. I don't want you tampering with my science. But yeah, he wanted to
0: get more experience with surveying and cartography. So the scientists included guys trained in naturalists, botanists, mineralogists, taxidermists, and philologists, And was carried by the sloop of war... USS Vincennes, USS Peacock, USS Porpoise, which is a brig, the full-rig ship Relief, which was a ship that they used for storage, the schooner Seagull and Flying Fish, and these two served as tenders.
1: Now, perhaps times have changed. I thought taxidermy was more art than science. Well, you also got to realize that back in this time,
0: it was a very new thing to do, preserving bodies. Yeah. And so being able to learn about the bodies of animals, these are the only guys doing that.
1: They're the, so it's a field of biology in this time period that is experienced and practiced in actually opening up the remains of an animal and being able to see what makes it tick on the inside. Yeah, these were carcass
0: vets. So, a side note, the Commodore George C. Reed, in command of the East Indian Squadron with the flagship USS Columbia, were right now circumnavigating the globe and en route for the second Sumatran punitive expedition, which we will be getting to later. That's still coming up. So, the expedition clears Cape Henry light at 0900 on the 19th, and Wilkes lays in a course for Rio de Janeiro. Now, Cape Henry would be
1: off the coast of Florida,
0: right? No. I don't believe okay. so.
1: I was going to say, the only capes I'm familiar with are Good Hope and uh, Horn. Yeah, no, Cape Henry lighthouse is Virginia Beach. Oh, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, that's in Virginia. Oh, yes. Back when it was just <laughs> Virginia. His first order was to survey certain vageas that were reported, or shoals, at latitude 10 degrees south, between 18 degrees and 22 degrees west. And because of the winds of the season, they tacked east of the Atlantic. They then moved to the harbor of Funchili in the Madaria Islands on September 16th and did some repairs and then moved southward. And arrived October 7th at the bay of Porto Prea in the Cape Verde's islands. And then finally arrived at Rio de Janeiro on November 23rd. The entire voyage from the U.S. to Brazil took 95 days. That feels like a lot longer than it should have. It's about twice the time normally used for a vessel that was going straight there. But they're
1: also surveying. Remember, this is a scientific expedition. Yes, but it's a scientific expedition to survey the Pacific. We're in the Caribbean I feel like that's been pretty thoroughly documented by the British and Spanish at this point. There's still stuff that you can explore on the way out there. But they weren't supposed to be surveying the Caribbean. Congress said the Pacific. I mean, I guess if uh, the officers wanted to get some practice in with stuff that was already fairly well known so that the scientists on board could just check their work and be like, okay, yep, you did good, or... No, the island is not shaped like a penis. Stop doing that, please. It was funny the first time. The twelfth time, not so much. Well, I'll tell you what. Scientist listeners, will you please write Stephen and explain
0: to him why it is okay to do some exploring on the way to where you're going to be exploring?
1: Yes, please, educate me.
0: (laughs) So... The peacock needed repairs while they were at Rio de Janeiro. So they did not leave until January 6th. Now, from there, they moved south to Buenos Aires. And at the mouth of the Rio Negro, they passed a French naval blockade of Argentina's seaports. The European powers at this time were going to the aid of Brazil, And they were involved in the eternal affairs of the Argentine Republic. Now, the Americans had reduced their military profile prior to departing
1: from the U.S. So they were not molested by the French. So when you say reducing their military profile, do you mean they discarded most of their cannons at port before leaving? Or they looked more like... Merchants led
0: scientific ships than military oh, vessels.
1: Oh, okay. So, at a quick glance, you would probably assume it's just a trade expedition rather than a, you know, naval scientific survey. Yeah. So, they then went
0: to Tierra del Fuego, Chile, and they went to Peru. The Seagull and its crew of 15 were lost during a storm right off the coast of South America in May. Now, what were they carrying? I forget. The seagull was a tent. Okay. So from there, they visited the Tumoto Archipelago. Then they went to Samoa and New South Wales in Australia. So, you know, Britain's jail. And in December they went from sydney into the antarctic ocean where they reported the discovery of
1: quote an antarctic continent west of the baleny islands wait a second nobody at this point had seen antarctica and thought to brought it up maybe not this part of it oh so they're thinking it might be a they're not realizing antarctica's one big landmass
0: right i mean there's not many people have explored Antarctica up to this
1: point. It was very hard to get to. And we had no aerial photography at this point. And it's not exactly a, a good place to be circumnavigating around. I mean, it's terrible, terrible place to be, really, even today. Inhospitable. Yeah. Lots of frozen bodies.
0: So, this part of Antarctica was later named Wilkes Land. Now... At this point, there are discrepancies in the logs of various ships of his expedition, which suggests that they might have actually just been altered. So something might have happened here, because there is a controversy between the expedition of who saw Ice Island, 175 kilometers from the coast, On January 16th, and then the coast itself on the 25th, a French expedition captained by Jules Dumont d'Urville saw the coast about 400 kilometers west of westward on January 20th, and disembarked on the islet of Geolugi Archipelago, which is four kilometers
1: from the mainland. So... So, someone may be taking credit for somebody else's discovery, if I'm understanding you correct? Sounds like. Huh. Or it could
0: be that they're misinterpreting
1: icebergs as landmasses. I mean, that that far south, or if you go far enough north, absolutely. Ice shelves, icebergs can look like an ice shelf off a landmass for sure yeah i mean they
0: did say ice island (laughs) so
1: we can only guess at what they were meaning at this point in time well and i remember a few years back there was a, a big break off from an ice shelf in antarctica about the size of manhattan island or something so if they were seeing something like that that was just kind of floating around the very south pacific Uh, they Mm -hmm. couldn't be blamed for thinking it was Antarctica.
0: Yeah. So, to add on to the controversy, the commander of the USS Porpoise, Lieutenant Caldwalder, they saw the Jules-Dermont expedition and deliberately avoided contact
1: with them. Okay, but why? Did the journals not go into why? More than likely, it's to try to
0: with controversy going to try to be saying, hey, we're the ones that discovered it first. You French guys, back off. (laughs) But they did take mineral, algae, and animal samples while they were there. Okay. So, fun fact, in February of 1840, some of the expedition were present at the initial signing of the Treaty of Watanengi in New Zealand. I can't say I'm familiar with that treaty. What does it do? It is between the representatives of the British Crown and Maori chiefs from the North Island of New Zealand. It is a document of political constitution of the state of New Zealand and is highly significant in framing the political relations between New Zealand's government and the Maori population.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The Crown wanted the island as a colony, and this was their effort in trying to do it peacefully. But that's not U.S. history, so that's as far as we're getting into it. So, the expedition then visits Fiji, and in July, two members of the party, a lieutenant Underwood and Wilkes nephew, midshipman Wilkes Henry, were killed when they were trying to barter for food in western Fiji on the Malolo Island. No, no. Yeah, the cause of this event remains cloudy. Immediately prior to the deaths, the son of the local chief, who was being held hostage by the Americans, escaped by jumping out of the boat and running through the shallow water for shore. So, of course... They're losing their prisoners, so the Americans fire over his head. Now, according to members of the expedition party on the boat, his escape was intended as a prearranged signal by the Fujians to attack them. And according to those on shore, the
1: shooting is what caused the attack. So, do we know why this kid was held hostage? Like, was this just a a good old-fashioned, we're going to give you a VIP of ours, you give us a VIP of yours just to ensure everybody's on the, you know, straight and narrow and we don't start any attacks? Or did they just catch this kid doing something they considered suspicious? And I say kid, he, he could have been in his 20s or 30s. You know, the chief may have been, you know, a little gray in the beard at this point. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um... More than likely it was just as a bargaining chip. I don't have the informational why we we don't have the logs detailing that okay. But we have that the Americans lighted sixty sailors to attack the quote hostile natives. We put that in quote because we know our history, yeah, and close to eighty of the Fijians were killed in the reprisal that the Americans did while burning two villages to the ground.
1: Yay! You shouldn't cheer that. Oh, hence the very unenthusiastic (laughs) (laughs) and there was much rejoicing. Guys, this is supposed to be a scientific research expedition, not, you know, a trigger happy romp. Through the South Pacific. At this point in time, for any country, it's one and the same. I I know, I know, and I know we have, you know, a hundred, almost 200, honestly, years of hindsight to try and improve ourselves. But come on, guys. Come on. So let's move to 1841.
0: They are now exploring the west coast of South America and North America which includes the Strait of Juan de Fuca, Puget Sound, and the Columbia River. So, after Fiji, they go to Hull Island, which is later known as Orona. And then they also go to the Hawaiian
1: Islands, my hometown. Now, is this America's first contact with uh, Hawaii? Like, as far as, like, official representatives of the government i'm sure there have been plenty of traitors at this point
0: i don't believe so so james cook of course is the first european to discover hawaii and that was 1778
1: right right i was just wondering, so, like if the united states government had any sort of you know hello i'm here on behalf of the government of the united states of america how are you monarch of hawaii Or if this was the first time that the United States had any official representative meeting with folks from the islands. Like, I I was going to say, I know the highlights are, like, around the 1850s is when, you know, we really started encroaching. And then it was the 1870s or 1880s that it became a vassal state, effectively, uh, due to business interest. Yeah. I mean, it was a bloodless coup, but... A coup is a coup. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, suffice to say that about 60 years after this expedition is when the U.S. overthrew the monarchy there and it became a territory. So Wilkes spends a good time near Bainbridge Island and he notes that a bird-like shape of the harbor at Winslow and so he named it Eagle Harbor which continues his fascination with bird names. He named Bill Point and Wing Point. Port Madison and Points Monroe and Jefferson were named in honor of former U.S. presidents. Port Ludlow was assigned to the honor Lieutenant Augustus Ludlow, who died during the War of 1812. So in April, the Peacock, your boat, was commanded by Lieutenant... Steve, I mean, Lieutenant William L. Hudson. Oh no, it's my boat now, thank you. And the flying fish, they both surveyed Drummond's Island, which was named for one of the Americans on the expedition. Now, Lieutenant Hudson heard from a member of his crew that a ship had wrecked off of the island and that the crew of that ship was massacred by Gilbert tees It's said that only a woman and her child were the survivors. So Hudson, being the brave American that he is, decides to land a force of Marines and sailors to search the island. Now, initially, the natives were peaceful, and his men were able to explore the island, But when they were returning to their ship, Hudson noticed a member of his crew was missing. So they searched the island again. They did not find the man and saw that the natives started
1: arming themselves. So, rather than the sensible, well, this is a tropical island. We are not familiar with all the wildlife in the area. And we're not familiar with the terrain. It's quite possible, you know, he was grabbed by an animal and eaten or you know fell off a cliff or something no no the natives must have done it and they're arming themselves it, it couldn't possibly be because we're making them nervous by you know staying here longer than we said we would be with an armed force no they must be feeling guilty
0: well remember the original reason that they're that they're there in the first place ship was massacred by these people, apparently. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. So he returns to the ship and talks with Hudson. And Hudson orders him to return to shore and demand the return of the sailor. So I don't know if I said the guy's name before, but Walker, he's the, guy, the shore party guy, then went back to shore with his landing party and demanded that the natives return his sailor. And then the natives charge, forcing them back into their dinghies, and they row back to the
1: ship. So Walker, Navy Ranger, is not the uh, martial arts powerhouse that his name would suggest? No. If he was, the natives would be very afraid and would not mess with him at all. With a single roundhouse kick, he could have made that island reconnect with the mainland. Yes. So, the next day,
0: the Americans decide that they are going to
1: bombard the island. And then land ashore again. Uh, Jeez, that's not bringing a gun to a knife fight. That's bringing artillery to a knife fight. So, they find about 700 warriors opposing them.
0: But, of course... They really had no chance. Artillery, muskets versus spears. No Americans were hurt. Twelve natives were killed. Unknown
1: number of wounded. And two villages destroyed. This expedition really likes going for uh, the double special with the villages. Mm-hmm. And these two boats did that at the island of
0: Ipulu, Samoa. As well, because
1: of the death of a American merchant sailor, allegedly. You know, I'm beginning to think that the gunnery crews were just getting bored and looking for excuses. So, July 1841,
0: the peacock was lost. No! Not again! On, on the Columbia River, though they suffered no loss of life because a a man named John Dean rescued them by canoe. They were also rescued by an African-American servant of the Vincennes Pursuer and a group of Chinook Indians. Dean also rescues the expedition's artist, Alfred Agate, with his paintings and drawings. He saved the art. Good man. So when Wilkes... Hears that the Peacock has been foundered. He stops working in San Juan and sails south and never comes back. I'm sure the natives are more than happy about that. He's so, so heartbroken that he never goes back to Puget Sound. So, from modern-day Portland, Oregon, a shore party led by George F. Iman's was directed to go via an inland route to San Francisco Bay. So his party travels south along the Siskiyou Trail, which includes the Sacramento River, making this the first official recorded visit by Americans to Mount Shasta in Northern California.
1: I'm just thinking, is there a nice and easy natural path between, you know, Portland to the Bay Area? Yeah. Not this time. That, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, nowadays you have interstates, but I'm pretty sure there's more than a few mountains and not a convenient river connecting those two. Backpacking, dude. It's not easy. <laughs> that, that That's why you and I let the ship carry us. We'll, we'll get you up some mountain passes here soon. Oh, no. PRT's
0: coming up. Oh, no. So they rejoin the ships in San Francisco Bay. They pretty much got dropped off there, and the ships went, Bye! And set sail (coughs) south. And they went by foot. At this point, they survey San Francisco and its tributaries and produces a map of Upper California. They then head back out into the Pacific to visit Wake Island in 1841, and returned by way of the Philippines, the Sulu Archipelago, Borneo, Singapore, Polynesia, Polynesia, and the Cape of Good Hope, and then coming back to New York on June 10, 1842. Now, as you can imagine, Wilkins did not have a good relationship with his officers. Because of his self-proclaimed status as Captain and
1: Commodore. Because he was the only one to volunteer for the job. (laughs) Right, you have a junior officer (laughs) who, because no one else wants it, who has now appointed himself to be CEO of a lot of people that, in a military sense, outrank him in years and actual rank.
0: Yeah, because he had the captain's uniform on. He had his pennant on, and he was a lieutenant. Oh, buddy. So this ticked off people of... Uh,
1: Actual captain rank.
0: Similar rank, yeah, or better rank. And, of course, he's a little lieutenant. So the power goes to his head a bit, and he mistreats many of his subordinates. Which, and in, in many p- cases, are actually his senior's. Yeah, and enjoyed punishments such as flogging. Oh, no. And this, of course, resulted in controversy when he got back to the U.S. He was court-martialed but was acquitted on all charges except of illegally punishing men in his squadron. So he was attached to the Coast Survey from 1844 to 1861. He was engaged in preparing the report of the expedition. So it took another 20 years for the report. 28 volumes were planned. 19 of them were published. That's a lot of notes. Yeah. He personally wrote the narrative of 1845 and the volumes Hydrography and Meteorology of 1851. The narrative contains... Material concerning the manners and customs of political and economic conditions in a number of places that were little known. And he did contributions in reports from James Dwight Donna on zoophonites, in the geology book and the crustaca book, and a number of little articles and reports. He also published the Western America works, which included California and Oregon, and the theory of the winds. And this is all digitalized at the Smithsonian. So this expedition actually played a major role in the development of 19th century science, particularly with the growth of the American scientific establishment. Many of the species and items found by the expedition helped them form the basis of a lot of the Smithsonian's collections. So here's a question for you. What do you think the Navy sailors called the scientists?
1: All right, let's see. 19th century, relatively uneducated by that time period in regards to academics Probably didn't think too kindly of these guys because they were just, from their perspective, you know, consuming supplies and not actually contributing to the ship. Shipwives? No,
0: they were called clam diggers or bug catchers. Not bad. You know,
1: that's actually a lot. That I like that. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I mean, if somebody called me a bug catcher or a clam digger and I was a scientist, like, yes, I am. Thank you for noticing. So these bug catchers explore
0: 280 islands wow. during this time,
1: mainly but, in the Pacific. So roughly a four-year journey of that four years, maybe two and change are in the Pacific. That's almost uh, an island every three or four days.
0: Well, they're also explored and mapped 800 miles of Oregon. They cataloged sixty thousand plant and bird specimens. Holy crap, they were busy. Yes. They collected six hundred and forty-eight species of seeds. Two hundred and fifty-four live plants were collected, which later these were put into the botanic garden. So yeah, this was a very important scientific expedition, done by the U.S. Navy.
1: Had a few, you know, not-so-great spots over the course of uh, its expedition, but yeah, that that's a good final result. Yeah, only 92 natives lost their lives. That's actually a little bit of self-restraint for the folks at this time. Not that that's a good number. The good number would be zero, but... And we lost
0: 30... Men and two ships. Peacock, I'll never forget you.
1: <laughs> so that is the expedition. How you feeling? Um, I'm, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, seeking out new life, accomplished new civilizations. Yeah, uh, they could have done better. Well, they sought them out. They just didn't it, treat them right. Uh, yes, yes. But I feel like the treating them right is kind of implied.
0: Not during this time.
1: Not during Remember, this time. Remember, they're all racist bastards. Yes. Every single one of them. I, I also learned the importance of not going mad with power uh, if I put on my captain's uniform while you're sleeping.
0: Wait, you have a captain's uniform?
1: No. No, no, no. No. I borrow yours. No wonder it's stretched out. Well, that's just hurtful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you at least clean it afterwards? I I spray it with body spray. That's good enough. All right, I got to get new locks. All right, guys. On that note, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. You can reach us at US Navy History Podcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at USN History Pod. Steven, Steven, Steven. It's Captain's Mass Time.
1: well before we sign off if you guys would be so kind as to write a review we know you're listening we can see the numbers stop hiding tell us what you think what we can improve upon the more stars the better but we appreciate your honesty and if you'd like we can even read your review on the air with that we wish you fair winds and following seas see you next week
0: U.S. Naval History Podcast. Departing.